0: John chapter 8, if you want to hold that, we'll be looking at verses 31 and 32 when we get to that, uh, to, to that place. A family meeting had been, had been called when, when I, I don't know, I was about second or third grade, maybe fourth grade, somewhere in there. And family meeting had been called and, and, and it was a little bit odd because we didn't normally do that. Some families, maybe you do that. Maybe, maybe that's kind of a, a normal thing in your, Family for to get together, discuss family uh, issues or situations. But but for mine, that just that just didn't happen. I mean, if there was something me need, need to be dealt with, my dad just dealt with it. Uh, uh, it was called the uh, the belt hanging on the uh, closet door, and uh, we rarely had any family But 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 a family was called, so we knew something was up. Had no idea what it was, but but we were called into uh, the living room and. Mom and Dad had us all, uh, all of us kids, line up in kind of a line. Uh, uh, there, there were six of us kids. Well, now actually, there was only five of us that lined up, because five of us lined up, all looking at Mom and Dad, and standing beside Mom and Dad was my oldest sister, Beck. And I, of course, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, why isn't she here? She's supposed to be here too. But she stood there, kind of her arms crossed. Just looking at us and I'm like, what in the world is going on? The meeting proceeded to, to take place and dad, dad said this, I, I, I just want the truth. About what? <laughs> I just want the truth. Uh, who took your sister's necklace? Now I think I kind of glance at my brother Rick. And I'm like, Why are we here? Because there's no way. We don't wear jewelry. I have no interest. Uh, I didn't realize at that age you could buy, steal something like that and sell it for some candy money. Uh, So I had no idea. You know, what are we here? So Dad continued. Beck's necklace is missing. And she one of you guys took it which one of you took it and and so i'm like i said i'm looking at my brother rick and then i kind of look down and deb and cindy and mindy and and, and everyone's kind of looking at each other like what are you talking about dad and beck's still sitting there glaring at us with an accusatory attitude and look on her face and i just want the truth just fess up which one of you took it and and i think because five of us were innocent we all stood there without saying a word. This was not my dad's finest moment in parenting. Huh. Wasn't what, what his best decision, but this is what my dad did. Some of you maybe have been through something similar. Maybe some of you thought, yeah, that that would work. Uh, dad said, well, if no one confesses, you're all getting in trouble. I'm thinking, okay, you know. So he went and got the belt and whipped all five of us. Not not his best moment, Uh we all went to a room after that. I remember going to my room with Rick and we were upset. Like, what, well, that's not fair. There's no way we took that. And years later, I, I, uh, and it took me to, to my adulthood before I had the, the courage to even ask this. I, I went to my older sister Beck and I said, do you, do you remember that time that your necklace was missing and dad whipped us all except for you, of course? And she had no recollection of that event whatsoever. Uh, the truth is sometimes hard to find though. I, I, I look back and honestly, I think my sister probably lost the necklace. There's a part of me that actually thinks that she didn't lose it, that she purposely uh hid that necklace and then accused us because she knew we would all get in trouble. That that's kind of what I thought of my older sister at the time. And so, uh, so the reality is, boy, the truth just sometimes is, is hard to get to. It's hard to find, uh, that's so true in our world today isn't it there There seems to be a lot of a, a lot of shouting there seems to be a lot of a lot of noise there seems to be a lot of uh energy invested by people trying to find truth and truth is hard to find there's there's people that that are shouting, "I got the truth, follow me uh there, there's uh, people that are are looking to politics, whether it's nationalism, socialism, or separatism, whatever it might be, everyone's shouting, uh, look at me, I've got the answer. Some are saying, follow my political view, it's the highest truth. Uh, the, we see on TV women screaming at the top of their lung uh, about their right to choose to end a pregnancy, like that is the highest truth in their life. And people are saying, my sexual choices, and your need to accept them, no matter how unnatural uh, or perverted they might be, is the highest truth. My freedom to use drugs how I want to, whether it's alcohol, Ill, uh, legal drugs, or illicit drugs, is the highest truth. My right to be happy and do whatever I want to do that becomes my truth is the highest truth. We live in a world that is struggling for, thirsting for, that is confused, but is trying everything that it can to find truth. And yet, the world we live in is not all that different than the world that Jesus came to 2000 years ago. Uh, maybe the voices are a little louder today. Maybe the presentation's a little bit more direct. Maybe the approach is a little bit more corrupt, but people have always been trying to find truth. It, it, it wasn't any different in Jesus' day. People are trying to find truth and that's, that's why he said, uh, what he said here in John chapter, that's why he said these words to a, to a group of people that were struggling to find truth, that were confused and didn't know where to turn or who to turn to, who had, who had tried so many things and yet everything they tried somehow came up lacking and left them wanting for more. He, he was talking to some people that had immersed themselves in religion. They'd immersed themselves in religious teaching and religious ceremonies in rule following and yet At the end of the day, they, they, they were coming up into. Others had tried to find it in, not so different than today, in political ideology. If only we do it this way politically, it will, it'll just make us happy. And yet they were finding struggles with that. Still others had decided to do whatever they wanted to do. Man, it doesn't make any difference. I'm just going to make myself happy. And even though it provided, uh, momentary flashes of, of happiness, it, left them wanting as well it didn't deliver and so jesus said to them just like he says to us these words in john 8, let's let's start with verse 31 just looking at two verses today john eight thirty-one. to the jews who had believed him jesus said if you hold to my teachings you are really my disciples now 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 let me let me stop there before I read that next verse. Let me stop there. What What is he talking about? I said, if you hold to my teaching, you're my disciple. If you hold to what I believe, what, what I'm telling you, you're my disciple. What in the world is he talking about? Uh, kind of hold John 8 open there, and we're going to We're gonna backtrack and look at some other verses. Look at John chapter 8 verse 12. Just go back a few verses. And notice what Jesus says in John 8 12. He says there, when Jesus spoke again, the people, uh, to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Go back, if you will, with me to John chapter 1. We've touched on this verse a couple times in the last few weeks. John chapter 1 verse 12. This is what it says there. Yet to all who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Remember what we talked a couple weeks ago, John 3.16? We all know that verse. We can all quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. How about John chapter 3 verse 36? It says, whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains in him. And how about we'll, we'll move forward here? But how about John fourteen six, and Jesus says this of Himself. He says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me." What is Jesus? What is Jesus talking about when He says, "If you hold to My teaching, you are really My disciples." Well, well, it's really something simple. Let's just kind of grab this as a truth to start with that that if we just believe if we believe in Jesus that 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 is foremost that is at the forefront if if you're trying to find truth in your life if you're trying to find the answers to the questions that just keep cropping up if you're trying to find the answer to that that hole in your heart and that that cry in the pit of your stomach that nothing seems to satisfy in a real and relevant and meaningful way, then Jesus says it really is this simple. You are my disciple if you hold to my teaching, and this is my teaching, believe in me. Now notice what he says next in verse 32. That's really kind of what we're going to talk about today. Verse 32, then you will know. So So if you believe me, you're my disciple. Then verse 2 says, then you will know the truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do, do you know what the what what this effort for truth is really about? Do you know what this this desire to to know truth, this desire to figure out what really life is about? You know what what that seeking for truth that he talks about there. The, if you if you believe in me, you're my disciple. Then you'll know that. You know what that truth is really about. For for that person that's shouting, it's my body, I can murder my child if I want to. For that person shouting, it's my sexuality, I can do what I want, I can see what I want, I can experience what I want, I can even define my own gender if I want. For that person shouting, don't tell me what to do. Any experience I want to do is okay. Any drug I want to take is fine. To that person shouting, just believe in me, just believe in my philosophy, and, and I'll solve all your problems. What that What that searching is really about, that searching for truth, is really about is being free. And so Jesus says, then you will know the truth, and that really the truth is that we believe in Jesus, that he's the one. That's what all those verses I read a minute ago talked about, that that it's all about Jesus. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, So here's the question this morning. Here's the question. Free from what? I, 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 I have these verses underlined in my Bible, have for years, have them highlighted in my Bibles. Just tad bit close there. Something is not working quite right. If you hold to my teachings, you are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth, the truth will set you free. What are we free from? If you've been reading in the Gospel of John, if you haven't, I encourage you uh, over the, the next few weeks and as we finish up the, the series on John uh, here in June, I, I would encourage you to just sit down and start reading the Gospel of John. If you have, you've already seen some some examples of this. You've already seen some uh, some thoughts along this idea where Jesus is addressing what we're free from. Uh, let, let's look this morning just just really fairly quickly at four simple things that he says we're free from. First of all, we're free from the fear of failure. When when we know the truth when we trust in Jesus we're fear we're free from the fear of failure right before and if you want to go back here in John chapter 8 and and kind of look at the context Jesus in in the verses leading up to this had been talking to some of the religious leaders and some of the religious leaders had been challenging who Jesus was and who he stated that he was and who he thought he was with the father and all of this stuff and and even in the midst of all of that challenge some of them believed. Look at verse 30 in John chapter 8. Verse 30 says, even as he spoke, many people put their faith in him. So right in the middle of all this, some of them began to believe who Jesus was. And Jesus gives us freedom from our fear of failure. The religious leaders' power, the, the religious leaders' power was in keeping people afraid, keeping people afraid that they wouldn't know what to do without them we sometimes in the church have to be very careful uh that we don't present that same uh, that same thought that same attitude that the boy you got to trust in us you got to believe in us or you're you're going to mess up the religious leader's power was in in keeping people fearing the fact that they would fail without them my dad, and, and probably where I get this and my sons get this, my dad loved sports. He, he especially loved baseball and basketball. And I can remember when it came to basketball, my dad saying something, and I ended up passing this on to my, to my kids. My dad would say that you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Any dads ever said that to your, your kid? You, you miss 100% of, of the shots. You don't take. Now, now I, I missed about 99% of the shots I did take. So, so I usually tried to pass it to someone that was going to make them. But, but, but what he was basically saying there is you got to believe, man, if you don't have faith in your shot, you're, you're never going to make it. So I passed that on to my kids and, and, and a couple of them really bought into that and they, they like to shoot. Uh, uh, but, but one of my most proudest moments in, in, in all the, the years of my kids growing up was, was a shot that my son Joel took. It was one of those moments where, where, where he took the shot. It, it was a district game played at Missouri Western. So we were on the, the, at, at the big court there. The winner of that, that game most likely would eventually make it to state. In fact, the winner of that game did make it to state that year. It was probably two of the best teams in Northwest Missouri. Our, our, my son's uh, team was one of those playing and, and it came down to the end of the game, about eight seconds left and the coach put my son Joel in the game, he hadn't played the whole game. Only like six guys had played and, and Joel normally played quite a bit, but Joel got inserted at the end of the game. We were down by two points and we needed a bucket to tie or to take the lead. Uh, the ball got passed around as the clock wound down and with about a, a second and a half, two seconds left, the ball ended up in Joel's hands. He was cold. He had just come in the game. He hadn't played the whole game, but he was wide open for a reason. I mean, the guy, he had had—he'd been on the bench the whole game. They weren't going to guard him. The ball landed in his hand. He was a foot behind the three-point line. He lined it up and let it fly. From where I was at, I had a perfect angle watching it. I'm like, that is going in. You know what? I remember that shot, and it was one of the most proud moments of my life. Had he made that shot, it would have been even a more proud moment actually missed it. We lost. He was crushed. The team was crushed. No one blamed him, of course. But I remember telling him later, Joel, I I was proud of you that you had the courage to take the shot. See, the rally is, failure is going to happen. Failure is going to happen. And when Jesus says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you through the, the truth is that that man, if we follow him we're we 're covered we just have to believe in Jesus now now it covers a lot of other stuff that that we obviously need to be doing in our lives but but that's that 's the foundation that 's the truth that if we believe in Jesus, we will be free we will be free from the fear that we aren 't going to make it that we 're going to mess up now it doesn 't mean that we won 't make mistakes it doesn 't mean that we won 't fail it doesn't mean that we won't uh, fall short sometimes but we won't be defined by our failure see growth comes through failure every one of you when you had your child uh particularly that first child when they were seven eight months old six months old whatever it might be you stood them up for the first time and 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 let go to see could they stand more times than not, boom, they went down, but, but you kept standing them up, and then finally, for, for a, a second or two, they would stand there and wobble, and like, they're standing up, and then they'd fall, but you were excited, cause, cause they, they succeeded. Maybe a few weeks after that, you'd set them up, and mom would be over there, and mom would be saying, come here, come here, and, and, and you'd watch as they haltingly would, and shakingly would take that first step, and man, you would get so excited, but, but they continued to fall. See, see, failure oftentimes produces growth, uh, when, when your kids were teenagers and you let them go for the first time out of the house, you, you knew that they were going to make some mistakes, that they were going to fall down from time to time. And yet you knew that failure would lead to growth. When you started your first job, you were going to make mistakes, but that failure led you to grow. See, 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 failure leads us to growth. And Jesus gives us freedom from the fear of failure. Uh, I I need some help I I need just a couple people to to toss out a name I'm gonna don't just don't do it yet I'm gonna kind of give you a parameter so so I want you to toss out and try not to embarrass the person but but toss out the name of someone that's here today that you that you kind of look up to someone that you look at and say you know what that person is so far ahead of me spiritually. Uh, you see yourself here, but you see that person. way. Up. That person is closer to God. So, so a couple people, give me the name of someone that that you see that way. That person is way up. Who's that? Mary Jane. Mary Jane, I saw where she was sitting there. Mary Jane is here, but not. Oh, there you go. She's hiding, face turning red. How about another? I'm going to embarrass someone else. How about another person? Anyone else? Charlotte. Now, I've noticed immediately, Bobby, didn't you, that no men's names were mentioned there yet? So we'll just stop there because I know you're all thinking guys' names right now. But so, so Charlotte and Mary Jane. Charlotte's probably there. Yeah. You're, let, let me let you in on a little secret. They're going to fail. Maybe not as much as you. Maybe not as much as me. But you know what? We're all... <laughs> We're all imperfect. And Jesus says, "I've come that you may know the truth, and the truth will set you free from the fear of failure." Now, now God doesn't want us to fail. I mean, he's not cheering that we'll make mistakes. That's that's what all the rest of the sermons in the year are about on how we can Avoid making the most mistakes, how we can understand what God's wanting from us, because that's going to lead us to, to Him and righteousness and holiness, and it's going to sanctify us, all that kind of stuff. So, but, but, but know this, that, that when we know Jesus, when we trust in Him, and that's the truth, that we're free from that, that crippling fear that I'm going to be a failure. We, we also see there's, there's a, uh, there's freedom. There's freedom from insignificance. One of the last times, I don't know if it was last month or two months ago when we went to Haven House, I, I spoke with a young man, uh, I'll call him Randy. That's not his name, but I'll call him Randy. And I, I stepped outside in the, uh, just out of the dining room and I, I was visiting with him and Randy was talking about with, with some excitement you could you could see the joy in his eyes he was talking about saving money to to buy a gift for his daughter he had a, a ten or eleven year old daughter and her birthday was coming up and i he'd he just tell me i've almost got enough money saved to uh uh to to buy her a a video game that she wanted and and boy his eyes were just his eyes just lit up as he as he talked about her, and, and I'll tell you what, sometimes I say the wrong things, and, and this was one of those times when, and, and I just, without even thinking, I just said to him, well, well, Randy, so, so, uh, does she live close? How often do you get to see her? And immediately the joy that was in his eyes kind of melted away. It kind of went away, and it was replaced with, uh, it was replaced with sadness. And, and, and then he, he shared, "Well, I don't get to see her very often. She lives here in St. Joe, but I don't get to see her very often. And it's only special occasions like her upcoming birthday that I get to see her. And 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 that sadness is there. And then I'm, my, I'm sure my eyes saw sadness then as well. And I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry I ask. And and then I saw a shift again, and his eyes changed from sadness to anger. For a second, I was a little worried there, but." but as he continued to talk I realized his anger was was inward his anger anger was about himself he he was angry the of the mistakes that he had made he was angry at the decisions that he had made that led him to abuse chemicals that had led him to the streets that now was leading back to 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 trying to make a, a better life for himself and get it all worked out and that's why he was staying at the haven house but but there was anger like man I've messed up and that's why I'm not around my daughter. And then, and then that anger subsided, and I saw hopelessness. I saw hopelessness as he shared that he didn't know if he would ever get to be with his daughter very much. And he shared that he had had different dreams. That's not what he had hoped for. That's not what he desired for his life. And he looked at his life now and realized it's not anything like what I thought it would be. Jesus in John chapter four. I'm not going to read that, but if you want to go back and read the story, if you don't know it, John chapter four verses one to forty-two tells a story. We call it the 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 woman at the well. It's a, st- a story of a lady that that had struggled with that same kind of sadness in her life, that same kind of that, that same kind of thought that my life is insignificant, that I I really don't amount to anything, and 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 I will I, I will never. I will never be the person that, that God wants me to be. I'll never be the person that I had hoped to be in my life. And, and as Jesus said it that well and began to talk to her, I wonder if he didn't see that sadness in her eyes as she talked about her failed marriages and her failed life. But Jesus offered her hope. Hope that even though her dreams hadn't panned out, there was, there was hope. That her life counted, that she wasn't insignificant. Now I don't know where you are today. I don't know what your life looks like. Some of you, some of you may be looking in the rearview mirror of your life and you see a pile of ashes. And those ashes are your dreams and your hopes and your plans that have burned away. The the thought of your life, you thought your life was going to go one direction, it went a total different way. You thought you'd accomplished certain things and you didn't accomplish any of them you thought your life would be defined by certain successes and all you do is look back and see failures and you think man i'm not very special but jesus in that account shows how he specialized in going to people who thought they were insignificant and pointing out that the god of the universe cared so greatly about them that he sent him to come to earth free 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 from what the truth will set you free from feeling insignificant the truth will set you free from feeling guilt on the hills of failure and insignificance is guilt if, if you want to go back earlier in john chapter 8 the first 11 verse tells the story that that, that we call the, the the woman caught in adultery theologians Debate on what that story really looked like. Uh, in fact, some the- theologians whether it really was in the original gospels or not. But, but, uh, but they debate on what that story looked like. Did did the Pharisees have a lady in mind and and they just waited for the right moment and they they went to the house and got this lady and just drug her in front of Jesus. Some people, some theologians believe it happened that way. Others saw it as a a a a, a opportunity they 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 literally caught someone in adultery or they knew the situation and that they literally grabbed her from her, her bed of sin and drug her in front of jesus so most theologians believe that theologians believe that it that it kind of happened that way. And, and then they debate again, well, did they take her to Jesus and literally drag her with nothing on, I mean, just naked to the world and drop her in front of Jesus? Did they They at least give her a towel or a robe or a cloth to cover up? But but more than likely, there she stood. Whether she was naked or not, she was naked, certainly uh, in, in the eyes of Jesus, standing there and and, and guilty guilty and yet we know from that story that Jesus didn't condemn her have you uh have you ever stood before God I have have you ever stood be- before God and felt like you were that woman that y- you were there totally totally exposed all that you've done, all your sin, all your failures, all your shortcomings, it just laid out there for him to see. And yet Jesus says, you'll know the truth, believe me, and the truth will set you free. It'll set you free even from your guilt. My friend Brian pastors a church in a small town in he told me this story several years ago, he said one Sunday morning he was at the church early getting prepared for the, for the Sunday service and a lady knocked on his office door, a lady, really from the church, she was there every Sunday and, uh, as soon as he opened the door and saw her standing there, he knew immediately that something was wrong. Uh, the 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 tear stains on her cheeks, the the red puffy eyes were evidence of it. He thought the worst: something has happened, something terrible. a Family member has died, and and he invited her in, and and she sat down. And for a moment, she couldn't even talk. As she started to, the the tears would return, and she would get choked up. And and he sat there patiently until finally she began to talk, and 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 basically said, "You know what? I've I messed up. I messed up. And in a couple of days, everyone is going to know." We all live in small towns. We our, our business is known fairly quickly in small towns. And she knew in a couple of days everyone would know that she had embezzled money from her workplace. She was lucky they were just going to fire her and not have her arrested. But her name that was was a good name, and her kids that were in the school were going to be drugged through the dirt. And she came that day in the office and shared that with this this pastor and and there was there was remorse there was embarrassment there was fear of judgment not just from the town but fear of judgment from the preacher and fear of judgment from the church but what she found out that morning was something she wasn't expecting what she found out was there was also forgiveness there was also wholeness and, and and to a pastor who said it's okay, you're forgiven. To a church that Sunday morning that rallied around this woman and said you are forgiven. She found out a truth that that when we put our faith in Jesus, we are free. We're even free from guilt. And finally, we'll finish with this idea: we're free from confusion. Here's the reality: is our our world's confusing, man. It is. It's just hard to figure stuff out sometimes. More so than ever before. Reed and I had a conversation this week, and and I, I don't know how many times we've had that in the last fifteen twenty years that our kids have been adults. Man, I'm glad I'm not raising kids now. I'm sure our parents said that when we were raising our kids, and and their parents said uh, their grandparents said that when their parents were raising them, but. Boy, I'm I'm glad I'm not raising kids. Now, life is tough. Our world is confusing. And yet, when we know Jesus, the truth will set us free. The truth will set us free, even from confusion. John, you guys can come on up. Uh, Jeff Walling, in his book, Daring to Dance with God, tells, tells this story. He lives in Southern California. He had a teenage cousin that came to visit him one summer. Uh his his name was Ryan and and as soon as Ryan got out of the airport or got off the plane and and Jeff picked him up his first request was I want to see the ocean. He came from the Midwest, he had never seen anything bigger than a than a lake back home and he wanted to see the ocean. So as soon as they got in the car they headed immediately to the beach and and Jeff said I I parked the car in the in the parking lot and you had to kind of go up a little bit of a berm Uh, uh, sand berm where where from the top that you'd be able to see out over the the ocean he said said ryan ran on ahead of me said i was following but ryan got ahead and he he got to the top that berm and, and 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 when he got to the top he just froze he said ryan just stopped his jaw dropped uh and his eyes got wide and 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 Wally said the first thing i thought was oh no there's there's some some nude sunbathers or there's someone in a string bikini said normally there's no one on this part of the beach but but he thought oh no he's seeing something his mom is gonna kill me and but 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 as he got closer he looked out and the beach beach was empty and so so he said ryan what what's going on What what's what's happening and said ryan just said just kept saying this it's it's so big it's so big walling said i i kind of thought to myself and then i kind of said it out loud well of course it goes from here all the way uh, all the way to Japan of course it's it's big then then Ryan continued wow it's just amazing it's just amazing and they said can can we touch it can we touch and Wally said sure and so they they ran down took their shoes off and waded out in the waves and and he said Ryan was just uh, he was just beside himself and, and finally, after a couple moments of splashing the waves, he looked at his his older, his older cousin and he said, man, I can't believe how lucky you are. I can't believe how lucky you are. You get to live here. You get to live here. You get to come to the beach every day. Man, if I lived here, that's what I'd do. I'd come every day and look at the ocean and wade in its waves. Well, he said, I stood there for a second. He said, I, I didn't tell him, didn't have the heart to tell him that even though I lived there just a mile or two from the ocean, I hadn't set eyes on it in over a year. I hadn't touched the waters in over a year. But he said, it changed my perspective. It changed everything the way I saw. when I When I saw it through his eyes, with amazement, he saw how big it was sometimes we get lost and we forget the truth. The truth is Jesus. And He frees us. He sets us free from the fear of failure. He sets us free from insignificant lives. He sets us free from the guilt that holds us down and from the confusion that keeps us wake at night would you bow father we we thank you this morning for the simple message of truth it's really simple if we just believe if we put our faith in the one that you sent because as your word says you loved us father help us just put our hope put our hope and our trust in you and when it is we are free Free from everything that will hold us back. Free because of your Son, Jesus. pray in His name.